Hello Duval Nation, Derek Duval here. Mental health is not only a top priority in my life, but it should be in yours too. As a combat military veteran, I have seen what untreated mental health looks like, which is why I've been using a therapist for well over a decade. Seeing a trusted therapist has helped me reconcile life events and other important things I've been witness to since returning home from the service and has changed my life for the better in many ways. Which is why going forward I am pleased to announce that BetterHelp will be sponsoring The Derek DeBall Show. BetterHelp is the world's first therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you can expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. That's BetterHelp.com slash Derek Duvall Show. And now, on with the show. Powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, the Ball Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Hey, hello. Thank you so much. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. All right, so before we jump into this episode, I want to say a huge thank you to my last guest, retired U.S. Army Colonel David Fivecoat. The episode was a great success. If you've not had a chance to check out the book, Grow Your Grit, you can find it on Amazon for a pretty good price. So, Colonel, thanks for coming on the show. If you've not had a chance to hear our incredible interview, I strongly encourage you to check it out after the conclusion of this episode. So, welcome to episode 160, and we have a really special episode lineup for you today. We have on the show David Borgenicht and Josh Piven. These two incredibly creative gentlemen are the brains behind the Worst Case Scenario franchise. From books, games, to traveling exhibitions, and much more, the Worst Case Scenario has not only been a source of humor, but some also really useful life-saving advice. I personally have the desktop calendar on my desk at work, so if you've ever want to know how to survive a drone attack, jump from a moving car, or tell if a clown is murderous, these survival books are for you. Lots to cover, so let's get these two great men out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome to the show. Calling in today from Florida and Philadelphia, the creators of the Worst Case Scenario franchise, David Borgenicht and Josh Piven. Hello, welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How is the weather up by both of you today? 
Oh man, I'm in Florida, so it's it's warm and humid here, but uh I'd be up there in Philly where it's not warm and humid. It's not warm and humid. Well, it is humid because it's pouring rain, but it's like 40 degrees. It's terrible. Oh, right on. Yeah. Okay. So I start my news off the same way. Is, how has it been for both of you to navigate the COVID-19 world? And either one of you can start first. Oh, man. Dave's loving it down in Florida. I mean, yeah. I just, I, I'm, I'm in, I was in deep denial from day one. No. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, the first few months were, were very anxiety producing. And I, I felt like we were in the first 20 minutes of every zombie apocalypse movie we've ever seen. Like, I'm like, I know how this ends and it's not good. I was <laughs> considering buying a gun. I was not stockpiling toilet paper because I have total washlets in my house. So I didn't really need the toilet paper. TMI. Very too much. But no, I was I was very... Very fearful. They, you know, fear had taken hold. The, the, I was, I was like looking a lot into, you know, what I was going to do to manage that fear and came up with some good strategies, many of which are actually going to appear in our new book. But yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it very much felt like we were about to live through every worst case scenario we've ever written about for the last 20 years. Josh? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I had similar feelings initially. I, I do remember kind of, I was on vacation, I was skiing in, um, in the Sierra Nevada, like two days before everything shut down. And that was a time when people, you know, you like people wearing rubber gloves and like wiping off the seat belts. And I was like, you know, look at these, look at these people. These people are crazy. This thing, you know, it's just like it's this little virus. It's not going to be a big deal. And then I, you know, I got home and the whole office closed like two days later and they're like, okay, go home. <laughs> you know, we'll let you know when to come back. And, you know, I was dealing with two angst, uh, angst-ridden teenagers. Uh, so, uh, that was difficult, but, you know, I think for a while, like Dave, I was kind of like, well, you know, how bad is this really going to get? You know, obviously, as you recall, there was, there was lots of information that turned out not to be so, uh, so accurate, um, about masking and whatnot. And then I kind of got into the groove and got into the remote work thing. And I was like, you know, for a writer, actually, this isn't really that bad because <laughs> I usually just sit around and write by myself anyway. So, um, uh, you know, the, you know, the first six months were definitely tough, but then the vaccines came out and I was like, okay, sign me up. I remember scrambling to try and try and get the vaccine as quickly as I could. And all the rumors flying around about that, but you know, so now, you know, this is, this is the new normal. I'm, I'm not, I'm not convinced that we're not in for another shot of some, you know, pretty, pretty serious, you know, respiratory virus, but we'll see if we can handle it better the next time. Oh yeah. This was a dress rehearsal. We definitely, we did not perform well in the dress rehearsal, but I, no, I, I would agree with that. Do you know the amazing thing you actually brought it up a second ago when you mentioned a zombie movie, it's like, you know, over the years, you know, with cinema and books, we should have been prepared for this years ago because we watch enough of this stuff. Right. You know, we, we read enough of these end of the world books that we should have had some idea of like what to expect. But no, we, like you said, we failed miserably. So, yeah, yeah like I said, hopefully the next go around with a little more wiser, a little bit smarter. So, yeah, every, every journey has a beginning. Where were you both born? And what was it like to grow up there? Well, I grew up in Utah, actually, in Salt Lake you know, a Jewish kid living in Mormon country. And it was awesome. I mean, I, I had a big family back there and, and had lots of outdoors, you know, my, my lots of skiing, lots of hiking, lots of camping. Um, great as a kid, um, less great as a teenager when I kind of needed to, you know, 
see the world a little bit more and um and moved to philly for college to went to penn uh where josh also went a couple years later and um and and yeah the the city life the northeast city life just would really fit well and i've been there for like 30 plus years now so i go back to utah all the time still have plenty of family there and and still very much attached to the outdoors but i'm also very much a city guy now too Hmm. josh uh, I was born in New York City and uh, grew up in Philadelphia, right downtown. So definitely a city kid, although I was always interested in the outdoors and camping. I actually went to Utah back in the 80s to go skiing with my dad. So um, uh, and I still go there, actually, uh, to go skiing. So but but definitely a city kid, went to school in the city, uh, went to college in the city. I did actually live in California for a while. I graduated from college uh, as well as New York City. So yeah, I've, I've been around, but but moved back here and um, you know settled settled back down. Most of my family's here, you know, which is pretty nice. And now, sort of, you know, kind of braving the wild urban environs. But I've seen seen a lot of changes in downtown Philadelphia over the years uh, for the better. So yeah, it's a great great city, great place to live. You run the Rocky Steps? Oh yeah, absolutely. We actually go we go to the art museum like once a week on Friday night. Oh wow. We, we li- yeah, we live we live very close. So yeah, it's great. They have free you know, awesome. free free programming. It's a cool, cool institution. You know, it's funny, you mentioned skiing. I've never been skiing, and my worst case scenario would be doing a sunny bono right into a tree. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think they write a do you guys write a thing for that? I don't know, but still. So I don't know that we've done well, there's not much you can do if you're about to hit a tree. That's a good question. Out of, out of control skiing, we definitely have done. We definitely have done skiing, yeah. but yeah. I don't know if we've done how to hit a tree. I think about that every time I go back to Utah, and my brother wants to go into the powder in the trees, and I'm like, you go into the powder. I'm a 54-year-old man. I'm I'm going to stay here on the groomed slopes. So, But we have helmets now, so I'm sure Sonny Bono wasn't wearing a helmet. When he yeah, that's probably true. Did, did his head plant. So, David, you mentioned the University of Pennsylvania. What are your favorite memories from time there? Oh man, I guess initially working on the on the Daily Pennsylvanian and at the student paper there and the student magazine was was really fun. I think it's probably what what you know made me want to be a writer, but not a journalist. Um, made me want to be involved in the world of words in some way, though. And then uh, I. Um, I very much remember, like you know, getting involved in the arts and and doing the acapella thing. Uh, really? <laughs> I was in counterparts. Josh, did you know? Oh, that? Were you? look at you! Yeah. No, that's tough. It's uh, tough yeah, me and John Legend. You, you, you and John Legend. That's right. Yeah, yeah. One of us made it big. I'll just let you guess which one. Uh, but uh, but no, is I um. I think it was really my first real lesson in being in surviving in a way. Cause I, I, I didn't have anybody that I knew, no family here. It was just about connecting with people and could, you know, initially I was very nervous, but the more I was able to connect with people and make friends, I found, you know, the easy path, you know, I found everything kind of got solved. I found roommates, I found, solutions to what I was going to do over breaks. And, uh, and I think, you know, there's no question that when it comes to survival, if we're going to bring it back to that, it's, uh, it's literally all about helping each other 
and you know the connections you can make you're, you're so much more likely to to be able to get through anything if you've got people right whether it's depression mm-hmm. or bear attacks <laughs> josh same question yeah i mean i was similar drawn to writing creative writing um although i was a journalist when i graduated but i was i was mostly um english creative writing did a lot of socializing uh the grateful dead for a little while i left school for six months socialize uh, yeah Yeah, exactly you know had a good good group of friends um you know several of which i'm still still close with um but definitely kind of went into college thinking i'd become a become a lawyer and came out of it um you know pretty sure i didn't want to be a lawyer um and i was like oh let me try you know i'll try publishing and took i i uh, lived in new york city um for a while doing the publishing thing and you know um it's tough starting out in publishing, especially in New York, it's, uh, it's a tough way to make a living. I think it's still a tough way to make a living straight out of college. So, um, but you know, when I started my own kind of, uh, writing trajectory and, and freelance writing business and, uh, did a lot of magazine journalism. And then that, that's how Dave and I, you know, eventually hooked up for the, uh, the worst case books. And then that's, you know, the rest is history. You know, you mentioned the grateful dead. Are you still a big fan? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it's funny because you know their their quote unquote final tour is coming right. up in the in the spring. I was like, yeah, except for the last ten final tours. You know, for me, it was I was actually living in California when Jerry died, and for me, like that was the end of the Grateful Dead. I I definitely did go to see some of the you know the other ones and the follow up bands, but I, you know, I always kind of you know it was like Jerry held it all together for me, so it wasn't you know they were it was it was a fine experience, but for me, it wasn't. It wasn't a Grateful Dead experience, so I kind of like to just kind of keep that keep that memory in a bottle and and just enjoy the memories and not try and recreate it. Although I do, of course, listen to their music. So we got a home run. This is back when the show first started. We had Rick Turner on the show. I don't know if you know the name, Rick uh, Turner. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Rick came on. He was talking about uh, how he created the Wall of Sound for the Dead. And yeah, the Peanut Guitar and and so forth. It's talking about you know. Great, and he was telling some great stories about touring with the band and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, he was a he was a cool, cool dude. I mean, you know, a wealth of knowledge, you know, from the old, the old classic days of rock and roll. So if you have a good chance, you should listen to it. So, yeah. all right, you mentioned how you two met. How did you two meet? We met through a mutual friend, right? Sarah Jordan is her yeah. name, fellow uh, journalist. Fellow journalist, and um, I had worked with her. When I was young, in in just out of college, at at a publishing company, a book publishing company in Philly, worked with her for a period of time, and then she, I think, was working at Philly Mag at the time, maybe or Seven Arts Magazine, Arts Mag. Yeah, some, yeah, I was writing for a magazine where she worked. I forget. And I, and I had you know this, I, I had sold a pitch for this book already to um, Chronicle. I'd, I'd written the initial sample and come up with the pitch and the treatment myself and, and was looking for somebody to work with who would really, you know, do the heavy lifting of actually finding experts and talking to them about uh, every single scenario we, we wanted to give people answers to. And she mentioned Josh and uh, said, you know, he actually went to Penn. He's a couple of years behind you. He's, you know, very sharp and I think he'd be perfect. So uh, thank you, Sarah. Real deadhead, you know. Yeah, <laughs> she's time smoking pot. Sounds like a perfect partner for this. Yeah, project. perfect guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to talk to you about your book. 
the worst case scenario survival handbook expert advice for extreme situations first off this is the one of many worst case scenario books where did the inspiration come from to write those books um it came from like both i think pop culture and actual culture uh initially pop culture in the, in that like i think the the I'd always been fascinated with action movies and and James Bond and MacGyver and the A Team as a kid and and I and would always just wonder. I'd watch these movies and think like, is that really what you do in that situation? Is that really how you you know deal with this deal with? Can you actually catch a guy without your parachute if you jump out after him? And can you? That was a great movie, by the way. Uh, yes, right. That's why you love me. And um, the you know is is. Is there a proper way to jump out of a car? What do you do if you run into an alligator? Can you run across them? I don't know. And uh, I just wondered about these things. And at the same time, in real, the real world, uh, Y2K was about to hit. So there was definitely a survival, uh, you know, man versus the elements, survival conversation happening in the, in, in the media and in the world, just because everybody thought the grid was going to shut down and we needed to be prepared. And um and I read an and article. And Survivor, too, right? The TV show. Survivor. Right. Survivor. It was around 2000, maybe a little bit later. Survivor came out after. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, this is like 98. So um, when when we the first had the concept. And um, yeah, so I mean, I ended up reading an article in a magazine about a guy who landed a plane after the pilot had a heart attack. And it took you through step by step what he did. And uh and something just clicked, and I realized there were real experts in the world who knew all these different, all, all the answers to the worst situations imaginable. There are things you can do, and it's not just movie fantasy stuff. There are people who study sharks and people who fight bulls and people who uh, know what quicksand actually is and how you should behave. And and so I just made a list of all those tropes and all those situations and and the the book kind of you know the idea for the book anyway was born out of that what do the brainstorming sessions look like i mean what sort of democratic process do you go through to see what gets included <laughs> it's a lot of cocktails <laughs> yeah those help they uh yeah we we just kind of like bounce i mean we just free flow everything like we'll throw out words We'll throw out how to's, you know, I'll, I'll make a list and then Josh will add to it. We'll, we'll get together. We'll talk about it. We'll try to like talk about the reality of, of, of some stuff. Cause a lot is inspired by pop culture, right? Like, but, but in, in reality, there's no way to know which wire to cut, you know, right. on the bomb. So uh, <laughs> sometimes we gotta get a little more creative about it. Um, but yeah, I don't know what else to, I mean, you, and then often, I mean, it's kind of ongoing throughout the writing process, right, Josh? Yeah. I mean, I think we could get a little, a little silly with, with our initial ideas, you know, which we don't kind of rule anything out. We just kind of throw it all at the wall. And then sometimes it's, you know, when you kind of actually have to go and find, find the experts that know this stuff. Um, it might be that, it doesn't fit the book in terms of, you know, there, there's nothing proactive you can do. Right. So that's our, 
kind of our our main focus is, you know, what can you do to be proactive to survive these situations, right? Our instructions aren't going to be, okay, we'll call 911 and wait for rescue, right? I mean, that may be something in there that may be one of the steps, but we don't, we certainly don't want that to be the only step. So I think we, we try to make the advice active, um, talk to a lot of different experts, um, you know, for, for, for a single scenario and kind of get different opinions. And, you know, some of them, like I'll give you an example, like the new book where, you know, we wanted to include, well, you know, what happens if there's an alien invasion, right? I mean, who knows? Could happen. So we were like, okay, well, let's think about that. And we're like, well, that's pretty good. But what if they turn out to be lizards? You know, because of course we both watched the V, the v, v miniseries back in the 80s. And of course, you know, the aliens are, are disguised as humans, but they're really lizards. So how do you tell if they're a lizard? And how do you defeat them if they're a lizard? So we can get a little silly. But, you know, I think um, for the most part, we try to play it um, pretty straight. And, you know, a lot, a lot gets left on the cutting room floor. Um, you know, we really, you know, for the new book, we really wanted to do um, a book that had a lot about climate change, but it wasn't only about climate change, um, you know, because we're talking, you know, we're in the, uh, we're in the uh, respiratory virus era. So we definitely wanted to do kind of apocalyptic things of which obviously climate change is a big, big piece of it, um, you know, looking forward. So, um, you know, we wanted to expand it a little bit. Um, so we also did super volcanoes and, you know, comet and asteroid strikes and things like that, um, that, you know, that aren't, aren't solely focused on, you know, viruses or, you know, super floods. There's so you many know, ways we could go. You know, it's funny. You just mentioned V, uh, about a week ago I watched, and I haven't watched it in years, Mars attacks. And mm-hmm. yeah. that, you, you just mentioned, you know, alien invasion. That one is one of the probably one of the best ones I've ever seen in my life. It's so, it's just so ridiculous. But yeah, well, anyway. Yeah, that's Tim Burton, right? Yeah. 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 Okay, so I, when I told my listeners you guys were going to be coming on the show, I asked them to submit some fan questions. I chose the most intelligent of them. I know there's about <laughs> three or four of them. I'm going to go ahead and ask the first one, okay? First one comes in. The question is, what's the scenario you get the most feedback about, and why is it the drone attack? <laughs> 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 oh man well do you want to talk about drone attacks josh or should we talk about this scenario? <laughs> yeah we well we do we do we do all kinds of drone attacks right we do kind of military drones we've done drone swarms um we've done swarms in general so be, bees and locusts are not you know other things can swarm too i think you know the drone we did we did cover we obviously in the first book Back in '98, we didn't cover drones because there were no drones. But then we um, we decided to decide to cover it um, that one. And I've talked to a bunch of different people. You know, people dealing with military drones and people, you know, engineers that design, um, you know, quad rotor copters as they were, you know, initially called, and kind of how how to outwit them and uh, you know uh, the advice about running into the woods. Now again, I mean, drones are becoming so good at navigating. That just necessarily running into some trees isn't necessarily going to save you, but that is one option certainly. Or getting um, getting in a cave. Um, this this I think for the new book we're doing drones, but we also expanded to like robotic dogs um, as well. So kind of and robots in general, right? I mean things that really have advanced. Um, yeah. So that's it's definitely um, you know people have definitely asked about that. I would say though, I mean in, in terms of thinking about what people ask about a lot. Shark attacks is a big one. Um, mm-hmm. Bear, bear, bear attacks. Um, you know, animal attacks in general. I think um, are ones that people are are always interested interested about. Don't you think, Dave? Yeah, that and also sinking car. 
is a fast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I always ask about what do you do if you drive your car off into the river or the, and, um, you know, the, it's, it's a little, uh, trickier now that we have power, all, all power windows. It was easier back in the day when you could roll the window down. Um, <laughs> But uh, but that is the, the best first move, to be honest. As soon as you hit the water, like lower those windows so right. that uh, you're not pressurized and you don't have to wait there until the car fills with water and then open the door. Right. But uh, you have a better chance of, of getting out as soon as you're just under the water with, with water coming in, open that door and get out. So this next question is kind of a two-parter. So the first part of the question is, you know, settle the argument. Are the books humor or do they solicit actual real-world survival information? Yes. (laughs) 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 I I mean, that's why they work, right? I mean, because they're both. Because they're both. And I think people treat them, (laughs) you know, they treat them as humor. They treat them as true survival manuals. I mean, I remember when... You know, the first, right? It was like, what, like, Dave, what was it like? It was the first book to ever be reviewed in The New Yorker and Soldier of Fortune. Um, right. You know, right. so, and, and they took it, you know, Soldier of Fortune played it very straight. You know, it's like, you know, the yeah. must have, right? Keep it in your glove box for when your car falls through the ice. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it is it is kind of interesting. And I do think that it, that's definitely part of the But they're not, they're also, I would say, yeah, that's totally accurate. I mean, we're, we're obviously, we, we did these books to, as, as entertainment more than true survival manuals. But, um, but at the same time, I mean, humor is a survival skill. Like uh, there's a really good reason why in, in, uh, you know, action movies, those, those one-liners are, are uh, coming out because they, they relieve the tension of the situation. They, they laughter literally counteracts the fear response. You know, you kind of can't panic if you're laughing. So um I think in some weird way, um, it's it it doesn't really matter. It's because really the books are just about, you know, your biggest fears and facing them and and realizing that there are answers so that you don't freak out when it happens. And uh, whether it's, you know, whether it's the knowledge that you read that once and you think you know what to do, or whether it's just uh, laughing at some at the ridiculousness of being in the situation that gives you the presence of mind to not freak out and and make the proper choice the it, it doesn't really matter it's all good um i was going to say to you both um like i said you just mentioned you know those quips those one-liners james bond did it better than everybody those after every <laughs> little action scene just drop that little one-liner it's just pure genius i loved it so the second part of the question is this you know i read you know the reviews on amazon i've read the reviews on margin of what people take this book camping they take it hiking take it on vacation Obviously, like you said, there is real world advice in there. Has anyone ever reached out to you to say thank you for possibly saving their life? Yeah, actually, a, a number of people. But who was the woman in Australia recently? Well, most recently, I guess. Yeah, I think we heard it was a, or I mean, it was in New Zealand, but somewhere down under there. Oh, uh, maybe, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. her husband. Sorry, New Zealand. Her husband, yeah, her husband was uh, choking, and they they weren't able to to dislodge, you know, whatever they tried to Heimlich, and it didn't work, and she had remembered. Um, you know, how to perform a tracheotomy, technically a cricothyroidotomy for those following along at home. And uh, she remembered how to do it from the instructions in the book. I mean, she literally said this, like, I remembered reading about it. She, you know, she, she found the cartilage and she was able to puncture it with a pen and, 
um, or a knife and insert a tube in there and, and actually saved his life. Um, so, you know, it, it, we definitely do hear about these things. It's certainly not often, but um, I think uh, that, you know, these, these things do happen. I mean, these situations, while they are in movies, there's a reason why they're in movies. And that's because, you know, many of them do happen in real life. Now, we have not actually heard from somebody who has fought a cocaine bear but I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking maybe that that might that might be coming soon. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, the next fan question is, uh, which has been your most successful release of all the books that you've done? Oh, the original for sure, and and then you know most recently the updated version that we released in 2019. I mean, yeah, they're they're um, I'm I mean they've all done well in their moments, but. Um, but certainly just the original worst case scenario survival handbook has sold in millions of copies and translated into two dozen plus languages internationally. And uh, um, it, it spawned an amazing board game and a card game that's right. now just out with moose toys and, um, you know, really fun kind of conversational game about fear. Um, it's uh, but it's all based really on the original um after that, it was, it was, you know, it pretty much followed chronologically. We did, we next did one on travel and that was, has been the second bestseller. And then we did one on dating and sex and that was the third bestseller. So it just, you know, over the years, it's, it probably each book just uh, gets na more narrow and niche, but still, you know, has sold well. So I think, you know, the formula of providing real solutions to extreme situations worked really well but so also did the kind of secondary formula of providing extreme solutions to real life situations <laughs> which we did in the more domestic one so how much fun was the traveling exhibition oh it's it's been really cool i mean the uh covid, it, COVID was tough unfortunately covid was but, tough yeah. <laughs> that is true yeah, like not a lot of museum action during you know <laughs> in covid but um but yeah i, I remember you know, back probably 10, 10 or 15 years ago, I, I initially had the thought, like, this would make a really cool, like, science museum exhibit to, to do something with it. But I never did anything with the idea until, um, I guess it was like 2018 or, or 17, maybe, when I approached the folks at the Franklin Institute in Philly um, about the idea and, and was really just asking them for advice about how these things happen not expecting them to necessarily want to participate. But uh, lo and behold, they, they said, you know, well, you usually work with a design company and, and a sales company and a museum, and, and we'd love to be your partner on it. Uh, worked with Abby Bish at, uh, at the Franklin Institute and Larry Dubinsky, who, who uh, runs the Franklin Institute, and they were just huge fans of the book and loved the Philly connection. And um, so it was pretty... It was pretty cool to go through that brainstorming process and think about how we translate this into a survival gymnasium that, you know, families really can enjoy together because the Franklin Institute is very much a family entertainment venue and science venue. So, yeah, we had to get, I mean, we, we were initially thinking very ambitiously and and then, of course, reality sets in of cost and space and, and what's safe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, but we did create, uh, you know, we simulated an avalanche with a ball pit. We simulated quicksand. 
We taught people how to uh, pick a lock. Um, it's actually going to be at the Fleet Science Center in uh, July, I think, of this year. So in San Diego. Anybody, anybody who's out in San Diego. In time for uh, Comic-Con? Yeah, exactly. Right over right. Comic-Con. So, yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully it'll get uh, some, some good uh, attendance then. But awesome. it's been super fun just to think about, yeah, how do we actually turn this book into something three-dimensional that is both fun and a learning experience. And I've seen the pictures. It looks like a lot of fun. I mean, the one, you have them on your website. They're fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been an adventure. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we will be right back with the conclusion of this interview with David Borgenicht and Josh Piven. Message just you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths. You know that's right, Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Please give your attention to a few friends of my show, and we will be right back. Are you craving a cinematic thrill? Join Too Many Captains, four friends who choose a new release in theaters and look back at an important film that influenced it. Tune in weekly for your ultimate movie fix. We break down everything from the story structure to the budget versus box office and the masterminds behind cinema classics. Think Damien Chazelle, Catherine Bigelow, Alejandro Gonzalez, and Rick Two. Close enough. We dish hot takes on A-list stars we all know or mispronounce. Like Ralph Finesse, Seorsi Ronan, and Shewelta Ijefor. You get the gist. Find us at moviepodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Join the fun as three fanboys and an ADHD buddy dive into film history. Too many captains, your film podcast fix. Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. The Derek Duval Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun with Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBAL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember, folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Hey, it's Presley Tennant, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can find my brand new EP, 600 Miles, on all streaming platforms right now. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own. 
with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts! Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. 17.9 cycles ago, us machines defeated the humans. Now, we're living the good life here in Droidston, Manitoba. Morning, Gif! Morning, Dust! But there's still the problem of human infestation. That's what it's time to call Human Be Gone. Human Be Gone! Wherever you get your podcasts. Human Be Gone! Hi, this is Glenn. And this is Sonia from Echo Valley. And you are listening to The Derek Duval Show. Here's a song called Faces in the Mirror from our album Anarchy and Alchemy. This is Benjamin Sledge, author of Where Cowards Go to Die. In my award-winning memoir, you'll discover the raw humanity, intricate complexity, and brutal barbarity of those who served in the Iraq and Afghan wars, and the psychological toll it took on modern veterans. You can purchase Where Cowards Go to Die on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere major books are sold. Look for me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Benjamin C. Sledge. Welcome back to episode 160 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with the creators of the Worst Case Scenario franchise, David Borgenicht and Josh Piven. So we have the books, desktop calendar, which I have on my desk at work, lots of daily fun, no question about that. And now games. What other products have you got in the pipeline? Well, we have our new, the new edition coming out in October, which is... uh, uh, another survival handbook based on apocalyptic scenarios. It's called Worst Case Scenarios, Survival Handbook Apocalypse. Um, very, very hard to remember. Um, we've got, uh, we, we, we are, are working right now on our own podcast that uh, we're not sure if that's going to launch this fall or early next year. Um, got a number of new games coming out with Moose Toys. They're doing... There's currently one based on the, the survival handbook itself, but they're doing one uh, in time with the release of the book for Apocalypse. And they're also doing one for next year that uh, is more kind of junior slash trivia based. Um, so a couple more and there's games. there's the very adult version. Let's not forget. <laughs> yeah, right. It's That's not right. just That's the adult version. It's the very adult. Very let, adult. let us not forget about the very <laughs> adult. Yeah, it's not just adult. <laughs> Um, we don't know if it's NC-17 or what. It's probably R. It's probably yeah. R. Yeah. Awesome. 
So why do you think the popularity of this series continued to endure to the masses? I mean, I think it is that that it it it, it works on multiple levels as we were talking about before. But but really it's it's uh sending the message that your fears have answers. Um like and and you know there's there's no need that and panicking is not one of them um the the initial like be prepared don't panic have a plan is really those are the three most important things any survival instructor is going to tell you that you need to do and uh and i think uh in multiple ways that's what our books have really taught people like um you know you, you reinforce that message if you have the knowledge if you have the presence of mind not to panic then um you know, take it, take a breath, think about what it is you're going to, you want to try to do to survive the situation and, and, and act on it. And, um, and it somehow just works for people who are actually anxious about these things and people who just are kind of trivia nuts and, and want to know, uh, add to their knowledge. But, um, I think it's really just, it's, it is about fear. I think fear probably drives everything, in human culture <laughs> and there's no doubt that it, it's it's what's driven the appeal of this book in a lot of ways hopefully positive so the last fan question that comes in is what were your thoughts on max brooks's uh zombie survival guide <laughs> yeah jealous <laughs> yeah. Jealous, jealous that he grew up with mel brooks yeah primarily i'm like <laughs> i mean maybe it was no uh walk in the park but uh but i mean man mel brooks he's amazing so like uh jealous about that i was definitely jealous about uh both the novel that he wrote and his zombie apocalypse survival manual um but it was also like yeah it was it was great it's it's amazing to have created something that's inspired so many knockoffs and and became a part of pop culture so you know flattering too so what's the best piece of advice that anyone has ever given the both of you? Uh, I would say, I mean, especially my, my wife is uh, to stay positive, right? For somebody that spends a lot of time imagining the worst possible thing that could happen is, to, you know, try to have a positive outlook. And I probably, you know, I tend to be more on the, the negative side. So I do, I think that's, uh, <laughs> you know, perhaps my profession or perhaps my constitution, but I think um, I do, I do, you know, I think I, I, I mean, Dave alluded to this, but we, we are living in, you know, in, in relative terms, right. We're living in the safest time in human history. Right. And in general, most of us don't have to worry about being gored by a saber tooth tiger. So I think on some level, you know, this appeals to kind of the, the base instinct of, you know, could I survive these things, even though I, it's highly unlikely that I would ever face any of these situations. So, um, you know, in that sense, I do think the books are very empowering and they're very positive. So I try to, you know, always remember that and to try and, you know, keep a positive outlook and, and to feel, uh, you know, empowered in, in most situations, you know, it works sometimes, not always. So David, I do want to ask you about your book. How to Con Your Kids, Simple Scams for Mealtime, Bedtime, Bathtime, Anytime. 
brilliant, brilliant <laughs> title, brilliant concept. Where did the inspiration for that book come from? Well, that was obviously my children. I uh, At the time, I was a young father. Uh, my kids, Sophie and Max, were, were you know, just toddlers and young and, and, and maybe just entering kindergarten and, and, you know, had strong minds of their own, uh, strong ideas of their own about, you know, whether or not they should do something control issues started early. And, and, uh, so yeah, Conyer kid came from, uh, me and, and, and another young father who, who I was friends with and who's, uh, was close to my kids. Um, and yeah, we just like came up with different strategies to fool our children into thinking, Hey, this is, this, you know, you don't have to, uh, it, it's not about taking the medicine. It's about, uh, uh, you know, let's, let's sing the medicine song or let's, uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it, it only worked for about a year. Strategies. It wasn't like three card Monty where you're like trying to take their money. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it was much more just about getting your kids to do what they need to do uh, without it being a struggle. You, and a lot of it was just forced choices. But um, but I will say, actually, this kind of relates to the previous question. Like the best advice I ever got was from my grandfather, which was you have to laugh or you're screwed. And I think that applies to parenting a lot too. Like those frustrating situations where your kid's having a tantrum and doesn't want to put on their coat. Uh, you, you either have a choice to like get into a deep existential struggle with them, or you can laugh at the situation and, and try to make humor about it and, and then, you know, convince them to put it on. So that's awesome. Yeah. It all, it, it all, it all comes back to humor. And Josh, that leads into my question for you, and that's, uh, I want to ask you about No Reservations. For my listeners who might not be aware, tell them about this critically acclaimed play that you created. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've written and had produced two plays. Um, the No Reservations was the first one. Um, now, I don't know, it's 2013, 14, to... Uh, critical acclaim and some success as far as that goes in the playwriting world, but it's basically a retelling of the nativity story, but modernized. Um, and, uh, it was, it was, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a kind of a, a, it was a farce, probably even beyond humor. It was a farce, but it was kind of poking fun at the internet connected me, me generation where, you know, everything had to be, you know, on TikTok and Facebook. And, and so, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a pretty cool experience and I, I do enjoy doing, uh, script writing so that was you know one of the plays I did and um, you know in my in my spare time I hope to continue doing um, doing doing playwriting when I'm not doing other writing and and books but the books books do take a lot of time so um, yeah I'd lots just I love to write so you know anything that comes along if it's fun then you know I'm, I'm happy to do it it's just it's just what I love to do it's a great way to be able to make a living so I want to get into the next uh, phase of this interview, and that's coming towards the end. And that is, um, obviously, I'm going to ask, you know, what is next for the two of you? Obviously, I know you've got some more products coming out. But there is one question I do want to ask is, has this book ever been shopped around for a movie deal, a TV show, or anything like that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we've we come close to a movie deal several times and never quite made it, uh, made it over the hump. But um, it has been a TV series. Twice. It, early on, it was on TBS, um, 
in a kind of and both of them have been reality show kind of series uh and then i think around 2010 it was also had a short run on discovery channel with bear grills as the host actually mm-hmm. um so it was, they, they've both been pretty cool but missed the somehow missed the the opportunity i would say in terms of just getting the tone right and the appeal of it right but um but yeah, it's an ongoing conversation. So, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll take a swing at that sometime in the next couple of years. Fair enough. So that being said, though, what for yourselves individually, what is next for the two of you? Well, we have the new the new book. Obviously, we're finishing. We're kind of in the copy edit, copy editing stages and doing, you know, looking at some of the artwork and and the cover treatments and um, and, and things like that. Um, so that will be coming out shortly and obviously we'll doing you know be doing promotion for uh, worst case scenario apocalypse and you know it's <laughs> these days it's, it happens to be a very timely subject so obviously we're um you know we're we're hopeful and, and cautiously optimistic that it's going to be uh well received again will people take it seriously but it will make it in time <laughs> before the before the actual you know attack of the the uh, the robot dogs destroys us all but um, yeah, so we're doing that and, um, you know, other projects uh, based on the book, hoping to uh, keep the uh, museum museum ex- exhibition going. Um, and then, you know, I'm sure uh, there'll be another one, right? The worst case kind of train keeps rolling and we'll have to kind of sit down and have a few beers and figure out what the uh, what the next, uh, you know, what the next worst case book is going to be. All yeah, right. I think we. I'd like us to do another um, something for kids. Actually, it's been a while since we've done junior handbooks, and I think um, we could do a nice job with the young readers edition, uh, uh, in, you know, maybe next year. And um, but there's still, you know, always going to be new anxieties and fears and crises to solve. Uh, you know, we're not getting any younger, so you know, worst case, aging is uh, is probably on the horizon. I'll tell you right now, uh, I'll pitch it to you, man. Worst case scenario podcasting, you can do a whole book on this stuff because I have seen this, I have seen this go tits up many times in my life. And (laughs) believe me, it could be as it could be anxiety driven. So yeah. But you're still here. You're still here. here. You're doing it. You're doing it. (laughs) All right. So as we get to the final phase of the interview, I always like to ask one fun question. That is, what do the two of you like to do for fun? How do you relax? Uh, pretty much doom scroll. That's about my <laughs> doom scroll. <laughs> it's it's hard these days. I try not to read the news. That's how that's how I relax. Um, I let's see. I row. I ski as much as possible. Um, I hang out with my kids, which is actually pretty fun. I like to I like to travel. Um, definitely uh, like to read. Uh, I would say those are the main things I do. Um, Cooking, um, I'm pretty, pretty accomplished home chef. David, uh, I mean, I like to. I play a lot of tennis and squash, so I play a lot of racket sports to stay active and do yoga pretty regularly. But I don't know. I I like listening to podcasts actually a lot. Uh, ironically, I like I've listened to a bunch of uh, everything. It's really a mix of it's like half comedy, as you might imagine, and half like philosophy oh there's my dog um half like uh philosophy and and psychology and and just human uh trying to figure out uh, as much as i can about the human experience so uh 
it's just, a, it, and that relaxes me, I think, just thinking big picture in some way about uh, the fact that I'm not the only one going through whatever it is brings me a lot of relief. That's awesome. What is the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Worstcasescenario.com uh, is, is a great starting place. We have a website, newsletter. Um, you can also go to quickbooks.com and sign up there and get news about the new book. Um, yeah, my website usually has stuff. JoshuaPiven.com. I throw interviews and other things up there as they come out. And we'll have, you know, stuff, excerpts probably from the new book. Not so much Twitter lately, I have to say. A little, little down, <laughs> a little down on Twitter. I'm too cheap to pay the eight dollars for that crappy. <laughs> what is it? The star or the ver- yeah. ver- verified friend of Elon Musk? Yeah. Who's a pen, who's a pen graduate? I might add. Oh. Yes. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I don't think he was in counterparts. I know that he's never given any well, money to the university, even though he's the richest guy on earth. So. My my one claim, my one claim to uh SpaceX is right when SpaceX was a nobody company, no one ever heard of them in their lives. Uh I used to work for a carbon composite factory. I used to make, you know, like I'm sure you know what carbon composite is. Mm-hmm. Uh anyway, um, we got this contract, this bid from this little owned startup company called SpaceX to build something for the dragon capsule and we're like oh whatever this is you know silly child's play stuff and here we are it's you know mm. it's spacex you know so I, I i actually believe it or not um somewhere in storage i have the original contract saved i i don't know where it is i have to find it but i'm sure that's probably worth something in market someday it's one day who knows signed, signed yeah. by elon musk it is signed by Elon musk yeah yeah, there so, you go. yeah all right so i am my interviews with my favorite question and the question is this if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of Earth? And whoever wants to go first, go ahead. The one thing you would say. Oh, I just said it. Shoot. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're from the government and we're here to help you. Yeah. Don't call me Shirley. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I think just don't panic. You know, the Hitchhiker's Guide and Worst Case have, have said it best. You know, Boy Scouts, be prepared. That's you know, they're they're running, they're going through some tough times. But I think the motto is still applicable, right? Be be prepared. I mean, I think that's uh, you know, it's it's pretty good advice. Simple, easy to remember. Awesome. The book is the worst case scenario survival handbook, expert advice for extreme situations, and the worst case scenario card game. Available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or wherever books are sold. Josh, David. Honest to God, thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you're incredibly busy schedules. This has been, I've been looking forward to this for, for weeks. So you guys have ex- exceeded my every expectation. Thanks so much for having us on. It was super fun. Thanks, Eric. And just like that, Deval Nation, we come to the end of episode 160. I want to thank Josh and David for being so gracious with their time. Honestly, I had so much fun, not only prepping for the interview, but also just getting to hang out with them during the recording. As you can tell, they are incredibly sharp-witted and very genuine people. I also want to throw a huge thank you to April over at Chronicle Books for the amazing swag box they sent me. It was full of such great stuff. Some of it I'm still using today. Honestly, this will go down as one of my most favorite episodes I've ever done. So again, Josh, David, thank you ever so much for coming on the show, and you are welcome back anytime. 
Okay, tune in again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask you, the listener, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We are still enjoying our partnership with the amazing Tee Public. The Derek of All Show has a great little store on there. And we have everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have some really fun t-shirts on there that Mrs. Duvall and I added ourselves. I added some more just this week. So please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go to the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on Tee Public. And once again, I want to thank them for being such great partners with the show. On behalf of myself and the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, take some time this weekend to just sit alone in a room and do nothing. No radio, no screens, no TV. Just five minutes. Sit. Close your eyes. Listen to silence if it can be done. See what it does to your mental health. Honestly, I know it does wonders for mine. No star, God bless. And see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.